right, everybody. Welcome to Revival Town Podcast. I'm Chuck Tate. That's Andy King. How you doing, Chuck? I'm doing great. How you doing? Yeah, doing good, you, you know? You, know, you had a good break, man, and just coming off a sabbatical. Yeah, it was it was good. I mean, uh, you know, and you would you would understand this. The work that we're in as far as church ministry, um, those first few weeks, it was it was pretty tough to just disconnect. Right, it's hard not to get sucked back in. Oh yeah, so so that was pretty tough. But uh, good to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you back. I missed you. you oh, are we getting a bit emotional. Yeah, yeah you know. Oh, man. You were in LA posting those pictures. <laughs> I started hating my life again. <laughs> <laughs> counselor, counselor, please come in. Uh, uh, where's Where's Deb Folletta when we need her? Yeah. Again? <laughs> no, it was good. I mean, the the highlights, obviously, for me, uh, were going to LA. Uh, not so much. The, the boys will kill me for this. Not so much LA as in the city. I'm, I'm not a fan. I um, loved going places, um, but seeing the boys and seeing their wives and, and uh, Joy and Teresa, us all being together, um, was awesome. Uh, and, and we got to do a lot of stuff. Um, some highlights. Uh, obviously, I'm a... You know, living in Australia for a year, I got to love the beach. And not so much, I'm not, um, I can't lay out on a beach. Yeah. I'm just not that type of guy. Um, but I love walking the beach and where we went. Throwing sand at people. Throwing sand at people, <laughs> you know. Um, but no. Do you like the, the water? Yeah, if it's warm enough. And it wasn't really warm enough to really get in it. But because um, uh, in Australia, I used to do surfing yeah so i used to love that stuff but so is but, the water in australia warm yeah yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. well it depends on the time so, of year season, you go yeah, and okay. stuff but yeah okay. so but it was good um we went there obviously going to mosaic uh the church that ethan and claire are part of that was that was pretty cool pastor owen was preaching that day so that was cool that was cool that you get to hear him yeah um went down you know, the Hollywood stars, Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. And in fact, you would get a big kick out of this. I, I don't know if I told you this. Um, when we were there on the Sunday for church, after church, we just walked down Hollywood Boulevard. Okay. And they had the red carpet out. And we're like, hey, they knew I was coming. But no, no, no. <laughs> they had the red carpet out and they were setting up for... The Doctor Strange world premiere. You didn't tell me, but I saw a photo and yeah. I showed my son Athen, Ashton, Athen. Athen. Wow. I don't know. I showed Ashton because he's a huge Marvel fan. Oh, massive. Like, Dude, look at this. And he's, the, he's walking past the premiere. Yeah. So they weren't, they weren't there. Um, they were getting set up. I think it was going to be two days later. Okay. But I mean, the, the money that goes into those, just those premieres. I mean, they wow. shut off Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. And then, um, you know, the red carpet and then the, the imagery and everything. Yeah. And you it climbing was, in the window. Yeah. That was <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then one of the other highlights, there were so many highlights, um, but Ethan and Clay surprised me and took me to an LAFC soccer game. Yeah, that's cool. And that's right up your alley. Oh man. And and you know, this isn't a slam on America, right? Please under, understand me here, Chuck. Oh Chubby. boy, here we okay. go. <laughs> but it is very it is very hard to duplicate an atmosphere like a Premier League soccer game in England, right? Yeah, yeah you sent me videos yeah. while you were at the game yeah. and I was blown away by the enthusiasm, the passion. Oh. People were like, I mean, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's not comparable from what I saw. It's not comparable to an NFL game no. or an NBA game, even, a, even in playoffs. It was just, it was up, crazy. It was just people went, everybody had flags and jumping up and down. And, and if you recall, I, I texted you and I said, I'll give you a hundred dollars if you take off your shirt and run on the field. Right? With a revival town t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. I said, yeah, I said, well, no, I said, have your boys get a Sharpie and write Revival Town Podcast 
<laughs> on your chest and on your back. Do it. Oh, man. Do it. It was. I mean, it's the closest I've got to an, uh, a Premier League atmosphere from England. I have, like, it was crazy. And when the goal went in, when LAFC scored, um. I mean, there is beer being thrown. There is water being thrown. And that was just me and the boys. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> but it looked, like, it looked like a sea of water just being un- unlaunched on this this section. And it was 10,000 fans just, wow, just going nuts. From, from beginning to end going nuts. And going bonkers. 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 Now, you were telling me about a show you watched. So, yes. Um, I, Moon Knight. Yeah. All right. Is um, a Marvel series on Netflix, and my son just had me watch start watching it a couple of days ago. So I'm only two episodes in, but there's the setting is London, and there is all kinds of Tate and his mate words being thrown about in the dialogue. It's been pretty cool. So are you getting into it because get, of that? I'm getting into it because of that. Yeah, bonkers and plonker and yeah, just just yeah, a lot of a lot of. I'm like, wow. See? Okay. I'm not yeah. lying to yeah, you. I need to go back and I need to. I've only been there once for 24 hours. I need yeah, to go back. I need to go back. I need to go for 48 hours. Maybe, <laughs> go, maybe go to a soccer game and take my shirt off and throw my drink at somebody. <laughs> you know, I told you about when I went to Chicago Wolves game, somebody threw their drink at me. No. Yeah. And this was, this was several years ago. But um, they didn't some, like you? This or guy what? was drunk. Yeah. He had been drinking the whole game, fourth quarter. He, I didn't realize this, but he had been yelling at me to sit down. I'm like, everybody stands up. It's a game. Yeah, yes, you're yeah. a pro game. You stand up, you get excited, you cheer. And that's what I was doing. I wasn't blocking his view, but for some reason, I could be irritating. Uh, really? <laughs> right? I know. What? And no, no kidding. Now, this was in the fourth quarter. They had stopped selling alcohol, which I'm glad. Yeah. He chucked this. He, he threw his Pepsi at me. It hit me in the back. Ice, soda went everywhere. And um, the guys that were with me, one of them was a cop, by the way, stood up and they all turned around and looked at him. And then he, he sat back down and was quiet. And um, his wife, you could tell, was really embarrassed and was trying to calm him down. And um, security came and he had to leave. Man. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, but I can't imagine what would happen to me at a premier soccer game. Oh, you know, I, I probably would get I, thrown onto the field. I wasn't going to mention this, but so right now, it was just a couple of weeks ago. In England, they do this thing where you've got the Premier League, but the bottom three clubs are demoted to the next division. And the three teams come up into the Premier League, ah, right? Okay. So it keeps it go. It's not like when you're in the league, you're in the league. You can yeah, be demoted. Yeah. Which Interesting. Is, which impacts a team around $60 million. Wow. If they're demoted, right? The other week, there was a game where this team needed to win, and they did. And all the fans steamed the field, right? At the end, it doesn't normally happen, but it did. And so all the fans and the players are jumping up and down and everything. But one of the away fans, the team that lost attacked the captain of the soccer team and like beat him up on the field <laughs> oh my goodness and he got stitches in and oh. everything it's what? crazy that is crazy yeah yeah so wow. fans can get a bit crazy so man i'm glad you had fun, a lot of fun in la you even saw a van gogh painting van gogh we went to a, a museum beautiful museum um the getty museum okay we had to take a tram up to the top of this hill that overlooked all of la and malibu and and it's it's just beautiful. This structure oh, is beautiful. Wow. And they had just got a Van Gogh or a Van Gogh. Van Gogh. Oh, Van Gogh, Van Gogh it's in England. That's oh, what we're saying. Yeah. Okay. And we had an argument, me and my wife, about whether it's Van Gogh or Van Gogh. But okay. Right. We Googled and we're both right. Okay. So it is Van Gogh. And it is Van Gogh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, so he... So one of these paintings was that he wasn't there, but the painting was there. That was pretty good. <laughs> I can't believe he wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And a highlight. That hi- was in the basement in a box. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that one of the highlights of the trip, we found an English pub, like a legit English pub. Wow. Um, English owners, everything. And 
we were able to watch an English soccer game in the in this in English pub. pub with all these English. It was it was great. Wow, it was that's just special, and that's more the memories than anything. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. That, that, that we we had a good time with. Everyone ha- else hated it, but I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It was good. It was cool. Good, so. Yeah. Well, welcome back. Thanks, mate. It's good yeah. to be back. And why don't you tell us about our guest today? All right. Her name is Amanda Patterson. She is a speaker, a singer, a cancer survivor. And I'm so glad that she's taken time to be with us today to share her story. I know that if you're, if you're struggling, if you're on a cancer journey yourself, your faith will be fueled when you hear Amanda's story and her heart. Yeah. I love her heart. And, and um, she doesn't sing a whole lot anymore, but I'm telling you what, she has some of the best set of pipes I've ever heard from anyone. So good. Yeah. So why don't you uh, sit back and relax and enjoy this conversation with Amanda? This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. All right, everyone, it's time for another conversation on Revival Town Podcast. Our guest today, Amanda Patterson, is a speaker, singer, and cancer survivor. She has graced the stage with noteworthy artists such as Natalie Grant, Carrie Joe, Mandisa, and Carlos Whitaker. She's a wife and a mom, and she's here today right now to share her uplifting and powerful story. Amanda, welcome to Revival Town. Thank you for having me. So excited to be here. Well, it's great to see you again. So we have a little bit of history. You have been to Rock Church, the church that I that I lead, uh, three or four times uh, back when you were in a traveling group called Kimber Rising. Then as a solo artist, um, you came and led worship for a women's conference that we did. And um, in fact, just a couple of days ago, my son, who's 14 now, um, pulled out this video of we were at a restaurant um, after one of your shows, and he started he was inspired, so he started writing his own song at the restaurant, and it's just him <laughs> singing this song. He's like, just at like three or four. It's, it's hilarious. But anyway, um, I'm going to have to send that to you. 14. He's 14. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it's just wild. And my daughter is 17, going to be senior in high school. So yeah, time, time is flying. And yeah. um, uh, our listeners might not know this. If they've read my book, 41 Will Come, we actually shared part of your story in the mm-hmm. book, which has been really cool. I've had so much feedback over the years from that. So many people encouraged, especially people who have cancer and are believing for a miracle and fighting through all that. So anyway, it's just really cool to have you on today. Thanks for coming. Yeah, Thanks absolutely. for hanging out. I'm yeah. glad to be here. And um, it, I just love that there's history and uh, that you have been a part of my journey since before even the stories came out. And then I got to be a part of yours too, with your book. It's been awesome. Well, why not? Well, you and Andy even have some connections because you mm-hmm. were a part of Cross Point Church for a few years and Andy was a part of Cross Point Church. Yeah. So kind of cool how we're all kind of connected. Yeah, here. And know a lot of different people and yeah. Uh, yeah our paths never crossed but yet because it was right in that time when I, I think I was coming you were leaving and, and mm-hmm. but amazing how we said it's such a small world uh, of the people we know and, and things like that and you live in Franklin which is where yeah. we lived which we we love that area um, so it is great great to meet you Chuck has talked a lot about you and your story is really going to impact people today. I just know it. So, uh, so thanks for being on. Yeah. yeah so let's course. get into it. I mean, um, you were had a thriving music career, and then you got some crazy news. Why don't you take us through that? Yeah. Um, I'll I'll start from the beginning and and kind of work through that. So I moved to Nashville the day I graduated high school. Uh, I was in a, a singing group with my sisters, and then I just did that full-time for a really long time. It was awesome. It was wonderful. I traveled probably 300 days a year. Um, as I got older, uh, we got into, uh, a couple, like I had a couple different girls throughout the group and then eventually did uh, solo music. And I got to that place in music where I actually started to, uh, make a living 
which took a really long time. Uh, it, it took a long time to get there. So I was, at the time, I was um, singing background vocals for Natalie Grant. I was uh, on staff and leading worship at Cross Point Church here in Nashville. I was uh, leading worship for a teen girl conference called Girls of Grace. Um, back then, I was doing solo music and had just released an album uh, just kind of living the dream. I mean, it's what I had always wanted to do. And uh, yeah, for the first time I was making a living and doing everything that I had always dreamed of and what I knew God had called me to from the time that I was a young kid. Um, and then in uh, it was September of 2014, I started to feel it's hard to describe it, but I started to feel sick and it was just an overarching, like I just felt like something wasn't right. Um, I had air bubbles in my stomach that just wouldn't go away. They were always there. And then they just felt like they got worse and worse. Um, and one day I just decided to go into an urgent care center and just kind of explain what's going on. They couldn't find anything wrong. They did a few like small x-rays and they thought it may be a gallbladder situation they couldn't figure out what it was, but they referred me to a GI doctor, a gastroenterologist. And uh, when I saw him uh, at the time, I was, I had just turned, well, I was 30 and uh, super healthy in great shape and had had no family history of any kind of cancer. And uh, so he was like, hey, I don't think there's really anything wrong, but you know, let's do a colonoscopy. And at the time I didn't know what a colonoscopy was, but I was like, okay, sure. Let's just dive in. Um, and so he's like, let's just do a colonoscopy, see if there's any issues. I don't think we'll find anything. Uh, you're super healthy, but we'll just do that just so we can see if there's anything going on. Um, at the time I, uh, had been dating a guy for three weeks um, and I could not find anybody else to take me to my colonoscopy appointment. <laughs> now I, uh, for anybody who is like just dating somebody, like taking them to a colonoscopy appointment is the worst idea that you could possibly ever do. <laughs> because I don't know if you've ever had one, but they fill you with air so they can look around inside. And then when you wake up, all of that air has to go somewhere. So mm -hmm. when you've been dating somebody for three weeks, this is not a great like first impression, uh, <laughs> but that's kind of what happened. So he took me to that appointment. I even have a picture and I, I can send it to you. I'm like smiling, looking at a pamphlet because there's, I knew there was just nothing seriously wrong. Um, and everybody was all smiles. Uh, I go back for the procedure. Um, I wake up and I am in this very dark room and I can just feel that life is different. I don't know how I just felt like it was not the same life that I went into the procedure room in. Um, I laid in that room for a really long time and, I waited and waited and waited for um, the doctor to come back. I realized now that he was trying to finish all, finish all of his other procedures that he had that morning so he could spend some time with me. So he came in, uh, they have those little black stools uh, that doctors sit on. And I just remember him pulling up that black stool sitting right in front of my face and he started to cry. Um, and I, I've never seen a doctor do that. I didn't know what was happening, uh, but he basically said, we found a very large tumor that's been growing a really long time. Um, it is the size of a grapefruit. Um, it has expanded outside of your colon. And he said, I, I just need you to be prepared because we're doing a biopsy. I'm setting you up with a, a surgeon but this is probably cancer and it's, it's very late stage. And so I just need you to be prepared for what that future might look like. So basically what he was saying is I need you to be prepared, prepared that there may be no future. Um, and because they had found it so late, I, I just sat there in shock. I didn't do anything. I, I, I mean, it's when you hear that kind of news, especially when you're not expecting something like that, 
it doesn't hit you. It doesn't make any sense. Like your brain can't really comprehend what's going on. So he left. I went outside and finally found uh, Reed who wasn't in the room with me. So he didn't know what was going on. And I remember walking to the car and finally, as soon as we get in the car, I just break down and I start crying because I think all of a sudden I was like, holy crap, something's really wrong. Mm -hmm. Something's really wrong. And I don't know what it is. And he doesn't know what's happening because he wasn't in the room. Um, So after that, my, my parents came into town, my family came into town a few days later, we met with um, my surgeon they had done biopsies. They had done scans to try to figure out what it was. And she just kind of sat me down and handed me a pamphlet that just said how to deal with cancer. And she confirmed it was stage four colon cancer. Um, it had been there for a long time. It had spread to my liver and ovaries. And uh, she basically said, we're going to attack this with everything that we have, but I don't know how long you have to live because I I don't know what we can do at this point in the process. It's spread so far. Wow. Um, it, it was shocking, obviously it even just sitting in that room, but I asked her to leave so I could have some time by myself. And I just remember like, <laughs> it's so stupid thinking back on it, but I remember praying and thinking I've dedicated 15 years of my life to full-time ministry for this. This is going to be the moment that like God says, all right, I'm going to miraculously heal you. And this is going to be your story. And at like tomorrow you're going to wake up and it's not going to be there. And I just remember praying and asking God for healing and just believing like I've sacrificed this much of my life for this moment. And I remember praying in that room, holding that pamphlet that just says cancer and asking God for healing. And I remember him saying no. And again, I just started crying because I felt so many different emotions, but I I felt overwhelmed and I felt defeated. And I felt like uh, God wasn't honoring my sacrifice by listening to my prayer. And I just sat there and was like, Lord, just explain to me why. And I just remember him saying, I'm not going to heal you the way that you want me to, because if I do that, you're not going to understand what real pain is and be able to empathize and change lives in the future because you understand pain. I did not like that. (laughs) That answer. That was not my favorite. Um, But I just remember him saying, you're going to have to go through the process. You're going to have to go through the pain. You're going to have to go through everything. And at the end, you will will be healed, just not the way that you want to. But you're going to be able to speak into lives like you never have been before. And I'm going to give you a story that's going to change lives because of me, just not the way that you were probably hoping. Uh, Again, that was not what I was expecting. Um, that was not my favorite reaction, but I think it strangely gave me this supernatural peace to know that I am in zero control over my circumstance, zero control over what happened to me. And I just decided to let go at that moment, um, and say, okay, God, like I trust you to do what's best for you and what's best for you is going to be best for me. So after that, um, I immediately started into chemo and radiation and I did six weeks of 24 seven chemo, six weeks of radiation. I did five or six surgeries, kind of lost count. After that, I did another six months of chemo. Uh, I did another surgery and after a year, um, in October of 2015, I found out that I was cancer free. And it was, man, I worked hard for that. (laughs) I worked (laughs) really hard for your your Facebook post. Yeah. Yeah. It was emotional and overwhelming. Um, And at the end of the process, I could confidently say, I am so glad God did not heal me immediately Mm. because I would not have understood and learned what it meant to give up myself and to give up control and to know that God has my best intentions, even if those intentions are painful. 
it was honestly and strangely one of the best years of my life uh, and most painful because I, I don't think you can always separate like joy and pain because on one hand, obviously, you know, going through one of the worst pains I've ever felt on the other hand, uh, Reed, the guy that it took me to that colonoscopy appointment. Um, I remember sitting down with him right after, like I found out what I was going to have to do and all of the treatments, all everything and saying like, Hey, uh, we've been dating for three weeks. <laughs> you did not <laughs> sign up for this. I'm about to look a lot different than the person that you started dating. Um, I'm about to be a lot different. At the end of this, I'm going to be a different person. And I understand if you don't want to stay, if that this is not what you signed up for. And so if you decide to kind of bow out, we barely know each other. That's totally fine. There will be zero judgment on my end. And he just sat there and he was like, God has prepared me. And everything that I've done up until this point has prepared me to walk you through what's getting ready to happen. So I'm not going anywhere. Uh, And I was like, oh. Reed's the man. (laughs) He he is the man. I'm not going to lie to you. He is the man. Um, And uh, so a few months later, we started talking about what the future looked like. And I I basically said, I I don't know what the future looks like. I don't know if I'll be here. If I do survive this, what do you want the future to look like? And he goes, oh, we're getting married. (laughs) (laughs) Just like that. So easy. And I was like, oh, we are. And he was like, oh yeah, we're getting married. Uh, No matter what the future looks like, uh, we're getting married and we should do that. And, you know, in like six months or so. Uh, Oh, okay, well, I guess that's what we're doing. Um, And so in the midst of, you know, having this medication that's literally meant to kill everything within my body and then bring it back to life, I have a joy of like becoming a partner with somebody that was willing to sacrifice their life for mine. Uh, And it was, it's so strange, like thinking back on all of it, obviously God's timing, he brought joy in the midst of my pain. Mm. Um, and so Reed and I ended up getting married three weeks after I found out I was cancer free. Um, and it was the most joyous, beautiful, um, wonderful celebration because it was the Lord gave me pain and he gave me hope and then he gave me life. Um, and it was, it was beautiful. Um, and yeah, I just, I can't imagine anybody being more joyful at a wedding. Um, and if we can back up just a moment, yeah, of course, before you and Reed were married, you also found out that you wouldn't be able to have children. Yes. You had to share that with him as well. I did. Yeah. That was a part of that, um, that story of that conversation of like, I don't know what the future looks like. Yeah. I'm not, he was, he's also six years younger than me. Um, so he was a baby at that time. <laughs> um, uh, he, I knew I would not be able to carry children at that point. They told me at one of my very first appointments, I did not have time to wait. Um, I had to just jump all in. Um, and so we ended up having that conversation and he said, the Lord led me to you Mm. and that's what I care about. And we'll figure out the future when we get there. Um, which is amazing. Oh, another thing that I forgot to bring up, uh, while they did, um, scans and looking for like how far the cancer had spread, they found another type of cancer. So I also had thyroid cancer at the same time. So I had to do surgeries for that and do treatments for that. Um, so, you know, just had the pleasure of going through more of that and more biopsies and, and more surgeries. Uh, all of that was all at the same time. So there some, even some unknown variables regarding your singing voice. Yes. Um, yeah. So what I had been doing for 15 years when I, I had the, the thyroid surgery, it was, I mean, they basically do surgery in your throat. And they said it, we could 
easily and, you know, inadvertently hit a vocal cord, which means that you could never sing again. So, you know, this career that I'd had my whole life could be gone. Um, it, it was, it was overwhelming and, um, and it took a lot. I mean, it, it, again, I didn't have control. I had to just say, okay, yeah, yeah. I believe that me letting go and saying, okay, and just saying, all right, I'm going to do what needs to be done so that I can live was worth it. Mm. Um, so yeah, so we get married. I have another surgery right after we get married and it's the last one. Um, I, uh, we start talking about the possibility of adoption or fostering, um, pretty soon after we get married and we start trying to walk down that journey. And I could not find anywhere that would let me adopt or foster. Um, especially at that time, I was so fresh, like out of cancer, my cancer journey. I was, I mean, I was, had barely been done and I had just had the surgery. And so everywhere that I went to everywhere that I talked and they said, we, we don't want to put a child from a hopeless situation into another one. Um, so I could not find anywhere to let us adopt, uh, which I had always dreamed of doing anyway. So that was extremely disheartening. I was talking to, uh, my sister-in-law about that. She's married to my brother. I've known her. They've been dating since they were like 15. I mean, they, I've known her longer than I haven't. Uh, she's basically like another sister to me. I was talking to her about it and just telling her how difficult it was uh, and that we had resigned to just have a dog. And maybe that's just kind of what God had wanted for us. And we were just going to be at peace with that. Um, and she called me the next day and said, this is going to sound strange. She was with me at my first appointment where they told me that I, I wasn't going to be able to have children. And she said, God spoke to her at that appointment mm. and told her she was eventually going to be helping us have a family. Oh, wow. At that time she was pregnant. So in her mind, she's like, I don't know what, <laughs> what that yeah. was or how I'm going to be able to help them. Um, but obviously this is uh, a long while later. She called me and said, this is what the Lord told me at that appointment. I believe that he's calling me to be a surrogate for you guys. And my immediate reaction was absolutely not. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> weird. I didn't know anyone who had done anything like that. I thought it was not strange, just so different and so risky. And I, I just hadn't ever heard of somebody I was close to doing that. The only thing I'd heard of is like celebrities doing that. And I was like, I mean, I, I don't feel like that's us. I, I don't know that I want her to risk her life, which is what you do when you give birth. Uh, for me, um, she had also already had three kids and the thought of something happening to take her away from the, the family she had already built was overwhelming to me. Mm. And so I said no for a long time. Um, and she came back and kept coming back. And then finally, she just had a conversation with me that said, I don't care what you think your answer is. God is calling me to do this. And so you don't have a choice. Wow. I am doing this for you. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I get, I guess we're doing this. Um, and I, we had to convince our families. It was a good idea. They didn't think that it was. And, and we had to convince our friends. It was a good idea. They didn't think that it was. Um, and surprisingly Reed was on board from the very beginning. Wow. He was so excited. He just kind of liked that. Yeah. He loved yeah, it. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's that kind of guy is what I meant to say. Yeah. He you is know? that kind of guy that yeah. when God brings an opening, you don't tell him no, which is what I was doing. Um, so in January of 2016, um, we started that journey. She did over a hundred shots, some of which made her pass out. I mean, that IVF journey is no joke for anybody that has gone through it. It is such a hard thing. Um, and then we found out that she was pregnant and 
I went through like up for, she lived in the Cincinnati area and I went up for every appointment. I went for every ultrasound. She involved me as much as she possibly could. And I just sat there and cried the first time we saw her heartbeat because I just felt like, like the Lord is saying, I've, I've brought you through this and I brought you through pain and literally brought you through death. And now look at the life. Oh, it was so, it's so incredible. So in uh, September of 2017, uh, we had gone up to Cincinnati to uh, be there just in case she gave birth early. Thankfully we did because two weeks before the due date, um, we went into the hospital. My daughter was born and it was a room full of people that were celebrating her life. So uh, my parents were there uh, Reed's parents were there, my siblings and, and my brother and, and the kids and the doctors were all crying and, and everyone was just, I mean, it was just this emotional thing. Uh, we were overlooking the uh, Cincinnati Red Stadium and the time that she was born, the exact time that she was born, they must have like won a game because all of these fireworks started going on. And we could, wow. uh, yeah, from our, from How our cool hospital. How was that? That's good. It was so amazing. And I just remember holding her in my arms and just thinking like God's promise is complete. Mm. His promise of walking me through something mm. so terrible to bring me to a story that brings life so yeah. that I can help other people walk through something similar is complete. Yeah. Uh, she's four now. Um, her name's Adeline. She is the sweetest, sassiest uh, little <laughs> muffin. And every moment has been a gift. Yeah. And there's just something about working hard for something that, I mean, there's, there's just something about like understanding something that didn't come easy and you had to work hard for it being this incredible gift. And every time I look at her, I understand what we might've lost. Yeah. Um, it, it's just been absolutely amazing. Uh, obviously we're still involved. My sister-in-law sees her all the time. She's auntie Rachel. Uh, we're super open and honest with Adeline. She knows exactly where she came from. She knows that auntie Rachel carried her. What's really interesting. She's uh, in preschool right now. And when they talk about babies and mommy's bellies, she'll raise her hand and go and auntie Rachel's. <laughs> uh, you just imagine the teacher. Very oh, yeah, the teacher's like, okay, we we need to <laughs> explain this real quick to the kids. So <laughs> yes, let, let me just explain this. Yeah, um, yeah. So she knows where she came wow. from, and she knows that one mom was not enough. She needed two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't cry very often. So yeah. uh, <laughs> it's. <laughs> But I, it, it always makes me so happy when I get to tell my story because I know it's not about me. Like I didn't do any of it. Um, God did it. Yeah. And he walked me through every moment and he took something horrible and made it wonderful. And that's what he does. And he does that with all of yeah. us. Works all things for the good of those who love him have been called according to his purpose. And yes. so without your cancer, you wouldn't have your daughter. No, that's, that's just, I mean, it's amazing. Amazing. What a, yeah. what a, what a story. Let's, yeah. let's, uh, you know, obviously your story and, and we know your story, but I know there's a side of it that, uh, we want to dig into a little bit because, yeah. um, what you're doing now and what you've been doing is helping so many people let me try and paint the picture obviously going through uh all these surgeries and the appointments and everything that was involved medical debt must have ramped up yes to where it was overwhelming yeah. for you yeah so when i got diagnosed i did not have health insurance um most struggling musicians don't that's it's very common here um and it was extremely overwhelming. So I, I didn't have it for uh, the first like four months of uh, all of my treatments, all of the appointments, everything. 
And I one I got a bill one time for one week of radiation and it was $75,000 for for one week. <laughs> and I did six uh, and I did six weeks of 24 seven chemo. So you can imagine how much something wow. like that, that is. Mm-hmm. I did end up getting health insurance um, in January of uh, 2015. But even that, I mean, as most people understand, health insurance is like, let me pay a whole bunch of money every month. And then when something happens, let me pay a whole bunch more money. And then insurance probably isn't going to cover a lot of it. So then let me pay a whole bunch more money. Uh Uh, That's basically the way that our, our health system works. And so it was extremely overwhelming. I probably, I mean, just even in that first four months, I probably racked up over a million dollars of medical debt easily. Um, and, uh, we actually, there was a nonprofit here in Nashville that works with musicians who met with me and said, let us help you walk through what this medical debt is, because we know how hard this is to navigate a lot of people who don't have health insurance. So, um, they helped me understand how to apply for financial aid through hospitals, through doctors. They helped me to figure out how to do like payments. So I wouldn't have to pay everything up front. They helped me figure out how to like get uh, discounted medications. They, they walked me through all of that process on the front end. Uh, I also did uh, fundraisers through uh, my church, actually Crosspoint held one for me. That was amazing and uh, had online fundraisers. And I probably went from over a million dollars in debt to about 200,000 after I worked with um, this nonprofit. And still $200,000 is, is an incredible amount of money. Yeah. Uh, and thankfully, I just had a large network of people that uh, donated. And my story just got out there and people wanted to be involved in it. But I, I constantly think about those people that don't have that, yeah. um, that don't have that huge network of people that can donate for them. Um, and medical debt is the number one reason that people file for bankruptcy in the United States the number one reason. Um, And I have for a really long time wanted to uh, kind of act sort of as what that nonprofit did for me, which is meet with people and say, I know this, this is overwhelming. A lot of people don't talk about the money side because they're just so thankful that they're getting treatment or they're, that they're able to live, or they feel bad talking about the money because the hospital may have saved them. But I feel like that's, one of the main things we should talk through, because as most people know, what you owe debt is stress. Uh, I just also so happened to work for Dave Ramsey. um, And that's a lot of what I've learned over the last several years of being here is that debt causes stress and stress causes medical issues. And so I feel like it's this like never ending cycle Um, And so kind of on my own, the last several months, I I decided to finally uh, live out a dream. I created a website. It's called Medical Debt Advice because I wanted to do the same thing that was done for me and just help anybody out there who might be struggling that doesn't know where to turn. Uh, I didn't know that there were other options before I met with this nonprofit. I didn't know that you could do a lot of the things that we're capable of. Um, before getting here, I I've since then have been like looking at different statistics and, and like kind of diving into that world. And it's crazy. There's $88 billion in collections from medical debt right now from people who can't pay. Um, and that is a crazy number. Yeah. Uh, Somebody needs to call Elon Musk. (laughs) (laughs) Elon Musk. Could you have like maybe bought medical debt instead of Twitter? I don't know. Right, That's right. A possibility. Uh, yeah, and if you think of even doing that, he still wouldn't even have covered half of the medical debt that exists within the United States yeah. if he had done that instead. Yeah, that's wow. Well, um, my daughter, I just I just found this like a few, a few weeks ago. I found a T-shirt that says Amanda's Army on it. Mm. She still has that T-shirt from way back. Really sweet. Cool yeah. So you know, uh, my daughter, uh, she has that same shirt now and she wears it to bed. And now she's uh, like, I get to wear mommy's t-shirt. We created t-shirts uh, when I was going through my cancer journey as, as a, a fundraiser. So that's what he's talking about is, is uh, she's wearing my fundraiser t-shirt. 
That's cool. So cool. Now, are you singing, doing anything in that world anymore? Or yeah. uh, is the Dave Ramsey and being a mom really the, the main thing that, that your folks done? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I still can sing. Uh, thankfully, I did not lose lose my ability to sing. Um, from all and let me just tell years. everybody, you can sing. You can <laughs> sing. As I mentioned in the book, you can sing. Oh, yeah. I, uh, well, I appreciate that. It's, yeah. Honestly, it was um, one of the best times of my life being in the music world. Uh, after I got married and then when we jumped back into uh, the thought of parenthood, I found out that um, surrogacy, even when the surrogate allowed like volunteers costs about $50,000. Mm. So uh, I jumped back into working and I haven't done a ton of singing since then. I've done like, uh, I do like demos for people and I sing at church, things like that. But uh, I've jumped back into to working. I do that full time. And then I also help like run this website and talk to people. I do that um, uh, kind of pro bono. So I don't charge anything for those type of things. So I, that's where I want my time to be. I still love singing. It's wonderful. But now I feel like I have a different calling to yeah. kind of step out and believe that God has called me and walk me through this story to help others. Yeah. Wow. Sorry, well, um, thank you for, for sharing your story. And I was going to say, you know, I know there's people listening right now mm. that they might be at the beginning of a cancer journey, or they might be in the middle, or they might be at the end. And there's people that are, you know, in a storm, coming out of storm or getting ready to go into storm. They don't know, even know it yet. Can you take a moment and pray for those listening who are, are struggling? Or maybe it's just the, the dream to, to, to find a surrogate to be yeah. a parent through adoption or fostering or any other means. And um, I just know you've hit on so many things. I mean, debt and <laughs> the, the healing journey that you with all, all these things. So can you just take a moment and, and pray for our listeners? Yeah, I would love to. God, first of all, I just want to say thank you. Um, my journey is, is not one that I would have ever chosen but now looking back, I would go through it a hundred times to get to where I am today. And that's how good you are. And so I, I thank you for that. And Father, I, I pray right now for every single person who's in a hard season, who's getting ready to go through one, who feels like they are alone. I feel like that's the biggest thing that Satan tried to do during that time was to make me feel like no one else understood the hard time that I was in but I was surrounded by really amazing people who helped me understand that I was never alone going through this journey. And so Lord, would you help people right now understand that they are not alone, that there are people who understand and they understand that it is hard. It is tough. It is really difficult to go through, but you will get through it. You will keep going. You will make it through. And God, would you remind them that you're there too? You're the one that's walking them through. Help us to release our control. Help us to release what we believe is control and help us to understand that you are working everything out for our good. Father, thank you just for this podcast. Thank you for uh, people who are willing to just hear stories and hear hearts. And God, I pray that you would just change lives today. And God, I pray that, especially for this podcast, that it would continue to reach so many people and to continue to just change hearts, change minds and change lives. God, we thank you for who you are and for who you're bringing us to be. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Well, Amanda, I know that there are people that are, are going to want to connect with you um, in, in so many ways. You've touched on so many different things. What is the best way for people to follow you, the website? Can you just uh, let us know how people could connect? Yeah, of course. Um, so all social media is Amanda Wilcox Patterson. Um, so that's uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, and then the website is medicaldebtadvice.com. Um, so I have an email there, uh, links to some of the social medias from there. So feel free to reach out again. Everything that I do is, is, um, for free. I, people don't really believe that. So they have a hard time signing up, but you can sign up to just have like a 30 minute phone call with me and just walk me through your situation, whatever it is, even if it's not about debt, even if 
if it's just about cancer, about something medically that you're struggling with or surrogacy or whatever it is, I'm, I'm happy to just have conversations with people. Oh man, that's, that's cool. Good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much yeah. for that. Now, of course. Um, we're going to do something that we do at, every, at the end of every uh, conversation. It's called the big three. Okay. So yeah. we're going to fire three questions uh, at you. Uh, and this is just so people can get to know you even more. Um, so uh, do you want me to start off? Yeah, you yeah, start. Okay. Yep. okay. So yep. as I mentioned, I lived in Franklin as well mm-hmm. for a short time. Uh, love that area. Um, I had a few places that I love to go to eat, right? Mm. If someone is visiting you, where are you taking them to in Franklin or Nashville? Doesn't have to be in Franklin. Ooh, my goodness. Uh, Nashville's tough because there's so many different spots. So if somebody's visiting me, I'm probably taking them to Scouts in West Haven uh, because they have incredible pizza. Oh, okay. Mm. All right. Yeah. yeah. I, I was a big Puckets fan downtown mm. i was i was like oh you gotta take them there to- i love puckets i love Meredith's. i love all of those they're so busy all the time yeah. and it's hard to get in and i'm, I'm like okay now i want to walk in and i want to sit down <laughs> and i want to enjoy this food so but i do love those great yeah okay Chuck. all right my, my turn so my question is uh, obviously you have a a power voice one of the best voices that i've heard uh, who do you listen to who do you like Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I love Tori Kelly. Oh, I love, I've been listening to a lot of Maverick city worship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of that. They're so good. Uh, I, this is going to sound strange. I don't listen to a ton of music. Um, because most of the time I'm working. And so that's a part of it. The music that I do listen to now is, is probably from Encanto because of my four-year-old. So we don't talk about Bruno on our house every day. So I listen to a lot of that too. <laughs> All right. That's good. Okay. So you obviously traveled a little bit. I did. Mm-hmm. Favorite city you ever visited? Well, I mean, goodness, this is really, I mean, obviously, I mean, the rock church was fabulous. Yeah. Well, yeah, true. true. It's That's very obviously. hard to be. Very hard to be. No one you ever know, says I'll, Peoria. <laughs> Yeah. Peoria was my favorite. Well, okay. To to be honest, like there, there are obviously some cities that like their background and their landscape, like Salt Lake city was just breathtaking. And there, there's going to be places like that, like all along the West coast was just breathtaking. It was so wonderful, but I will say like, even Chuck for you, the cities that stand out the most in my mind, they stand out because of the people. Yeah. And especially in Peoria, like you guys embraced us as one of your own and you took us in as family and you loved on us so well. And like you guys stand out in my mind and that's like your location is one of the ones that I remember the most. And it's because of the people and the family and the friends that were made when we were there. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, I would absolutely say Peoria. Uh, Oh, thank you. Thank you. Of course. Well, thank you so much for being on Revival Town podcast today, Amanda. I know you, you've you imparted a lot of uh, stuff to people today that are listening, and uh, I know there's people that are going to be connecting with you. Thank you for uh, opening up your story, your journey today. Uh, I know some of it is hard, when you, especially when you go back and start re- revisiting some of that. So thank you for that. And uh, I know this won't be the last time you'll be on Revival Town podcast. And uh, Chuck's got to get you to the Rock Church again. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, I would love that. Yeah, and we're going to have to tell Adeline's story in my next book. Yes, that's yeah, such so, a good idea. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just bring her to the Rock Church. And we'll there, we go. There. there we go. There we go. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks so much for your time, Amanda. Yes, thank you all so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. absolutely. You know I'm going to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't help myself. Oh. <laughs> well, hey, that was, a, that was a great conversation. And so grateful for, for Amanda. And it was emotional. Yeah, it was. So that I was mean, heavy. that story was pretty heavy. And 
amazing how everything worked out. Yeah. Um, but I know she's ministered to a lot of people today yeah. listening to yeah. that yeah. podcast. And, and just another reminder for everyone listening that God is already moving in your future. Yeah. He will work all things for the good of those who love him. So yeah. doesn't mean everything is good, but he will bring good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what's uh, you know what's next. I'm ready. I'm ready. Tate and his mate. Let's do this. Okay, so Tate and his mate. If you're listening for the first time, this is where I uh, throw an English word or phrase at Chuck, and he uh, has to try and guess what I am saying. A, a word or phrase from England. Okay, yep. there's a lot of words and phrases. I mean, we've been going yeah, yeah, a, long, a time. long time and I'm, I'm still getting stuff. But today it's different. Uh, really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, we just had a little bit of lunch. Okay. We had some Chinese. Yep. Right, which we always do we, on the show. Every podcast we eat Chinese. Yeah. So, um, I thought it'd be good to have a little bit of a snack after. Oh, look at you! A little, little bit of goodies. Okay, all right. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna guess the word. I'm gonna guess the snack, or you're well, just gonna. Yeah, I'm just gonna give it to you. Okay. All right? uh, but I need to ask you, what is? What would you? Well, can you see what that is? No. Uh, kind of. Not, not really. It looks okay. like a, looks like a cookie. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like okay. A, like can a biscuit. You, can you explain what a jaffa cake is? With a Jaffa cake, okay. Jaffa cake, okay. Like in Star Wars, you know who Jabba the Hutt is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, this has nothing to do with it. <laughs> Jaffa cake. Jaffa I, cake. A Jaffa cake. I, I, I would say it's some type of cookie or biscuit, but maybe, maybe with, um, maybe with fruit in it. Fruit in it. Okay. Fruit do you want it. to ex- expound on that, or I'm going to say it's an orange jelly. <laughs> I can see. You can see? You're such a liar. Oh, man. I can't lie. I can't lie. Okay, so we're going to try. Uh, Have we done these before? I don't I don't remember. Okay. I couldn't remember Possibly. Either. I'm but just hungry. So Our listeners, some of the people that have been listening a long time, they'll know more than we do. So this is a Jaffa cake, even mm. though um, the box that I've got is not the original Jaffa cakes that you get in England. This is the, the ones that we get at Aldi, <laughs> right? Uh, J- but they are called Orange Jaffa Cakes. Okay. Okay. So, All right. Uh, I thought I saw the orange on there. Uh, uh, uh. All right. You know, you know, Thank you know, you. you. Okay. You know. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Let's get, let's get the. Uh, uh, All right. Okay. There you go. T- tell are us you what ready? you think. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So remember, if, you, if you're a long time listener, you can actually watch every episode as well on our YouTube channel. Go to yeah. RevivalTownPodcast.com. Oh, that's great. Oh, wow. That's a perfect little snack. Oh, man. Post-Chinese lunch. Is that good? It is good. Mm. So Try and explain it. Okay. I'm, it's going to be like... The bottom is like a vanilla wafer, but it's soft. Soft sponge vanilla wafer. Yep. Yep, yep. And then the top is chocolate. Mm. But in between is like orange jelly yeah like a like a a jelly type of candy not jelly as in peanut butter and jelly but right. like a like a jello as they call it almost like it. a jello yeah, like an orange jello yeah mm. but it's delicious that good yeah thank you aldis right right we need to be sponsored by aldis all you. right again again we did the sausages remember yep. the sausages from yes. aldis? so yeah so they're the jaffa cakes i have another one yeah, I think. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Oh. There you go, guys. Go to Aldi. Get a Jaffa cake. Mm. So. That's good. good well, stuff. Chuck, it was great doing the show with you again. Likewise. Um, Welcome I'm, back. I'm glad you showed up after me being away. So hey, that's good. Uber Andy was. was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I needed a ride today. So. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Uber Andy. No problem. Well, guys. Make sure that you're checking out the social medias uh, that we have, Revival Town Podcast. Also, we're, we, we need a few more reviews on Apple just because it will bump us into another league, basically. Yep. Yes. 
because uh, we want to get to the Premier League of podcasting. Oh, whoa. Right? Oh. So, yeah, go to if, if every Apple user, if, you're, if you have an iPhone, just open your podcast app and search for Revival Town Podcast. If you could just give us a, a rating and take right. a moment just to write a one-sentence review. You don't have to think it out. Just say, I enjoyed this podcast. This is cool. I like the guests. I like the conversations. Uh, I hate uh, Chuck's hats. I, I don't, yeah, I don't like Chuck's hats, but I... Yeah. I enjoyed listening to them chew Jaffa cakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, thank you again for listening to Revolver Town Podcast. And remember, you may be listening to this, but we are now on YouTube. We have a, a YouTube channel. You can watch them through RevivalTownPodcast.com. Uh, subscribe on YouTube. Um, you get to see all the little bits and bobs. The bits and bobs? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the bits and bobs you get to see Andy's Stranger Things t-shirt oh yeah hey it came out new new episode came out uh, this week so, there you uh, go hey, Time. come on yeah there we go alright so, right, well come back next week everyone all thank right. you for tuning in bye thank you for listening to this episode of Revival Town Podcast make sure you're following us on social media and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for more information, head on over to RevivalTownPodcast.com. Oh,